Thank you very much, worship team. Church, it's good to be back with you, um, praising you and worshiping you, and definitely a time of singing and worshiping in song is something that we have missed uh, a lot over the last three weeks that we were not with you, and uh, I just am so grateful that we're able to, uh, to be together again today. Uh, we had a quick little time in Europe and just did some uh, sightseeing and things like that. And it was excellent and we're just uh, grateful though to be back home and uh, looking forward to what God has in store for us here today. If you're new with us today, my name is Ike Unger. I'm the lead pastor here at Deer Run Church. And I have the privilege in these next few minutes to walk us through uh, a psalm and to spend some time uh, talking about what that psalm means. And because it's summertime, uh, man, you got, we got kids in the room. Uh, I'm used to just speaking to uh, quieter people, and so welcome kids, we're glad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight, I'm going to beat you, you're going to not overpower me with your voices, I promise you. I got a microphone, and we're doing this. And so, uh, I haven't been here the last three weeks, and I'm like, people are like, yeah, it's a little noisier, because no Sunday school, but that's good. We are a church filled with young families, and we're glad you're here. And so today, we're continuing the series from Psalms. And uh, I know that Pastor Jonathan did a fantastic job in the introduction of Psalms, but I want to walk us through a little bit of an introduction as well, and we're going to talk about some things, because three weeks ago, I'm sure most of you remember everything he said, but there might be one or two of you that don't, and so we're going to just recap on a few little things, but if you have your Bibles, uh, open it to uh, Psalm 19, and as I talk uh, and do some introduction stuff, I want you to begin to look for this in your Bibles. So if I see you with your heads down, uh, this time I know you're not sleeping. You are in your Bible looking and finding this stuff. But we've got 21 minutes to plow through this. So we're probably going to go a little over uh, just to make sure we get through everything. But the book of Psalms, as John has said, is 150 books or 150 Psalms. And these are either Psalms or they were poems, prayers, hymns written uh, during the time um, of Israel and throughout Israel's history. Martin Luther actually says that the Psalms are like a mini Bible because they cover and they capture so many different um, uh, elements of the history of Israel. They take you back to creation. They take you back through the time of Moses and the exile. And then obviously they focus on the coming Messiah and the hope of the coming Messiah. But it's important for us to realize though that the book of Psalms is not a history book. And it should not be read that way. It is primarily written to serve as a vehicle to teach you and I how to communicate with God and how to speak to God and how to express ourselves to God. And this is something that's very, very important for you to remember because you can use this book, this book of Psalms, in its different ways and and you can use this often to give you words on how to speak to God. You may have times in your life where you're like, I'm not sure how to say this. And so the book of Psalms is going to help you with that. So it's unlike the narrative or the epistolary literature. Um, you know, the, the book of Psalms was written as a perspective on how God can be addressed. And so you read through these Psalms and through the writers how they addressed God and how they spoke to God, whether it was praise or sorrow, gratitude, lamenting, whatever it might be, here we see that God rejoices in hearing His people cry out to Him. And He gets 
He gets pleasure, in a sense, of us being honest and telling him about the deep things <coughs> in our lives. The Psalms address basically every situation that you will face in life. In the Psalms, you find this full spectrum of life experiences. If you have, you know, your psalm, the, the Psalms open, you go to like Psalm 88, and you, there you would experience this deep, deep sorrow. And then you flip over to Psalm 30, and there you would have this, you know, heightened moment of salvation and a realization of God's goodness. And, and this goes on and on throughout all the different Psalms. Charles Spurgeon, he put it like this. He said, I think I was never so low that I could not find that David was lower. And I never climbed so high that I could not find that David was up above me, ready to sing a song upon his string instruments, even as I could see mine. And this is one of the beauties of the book of Psalm, is that in those moments when you maybe feel as low as you can be, when you open the Psalms, all of a sudden you find that there was a psalter who was lower than you, who experienced pain in a deeper way and expresses it. And then you have those moments where you're like, life could not get better. And then you open the Psalms and the psalter expresses in a, in a, in a gratitude and, and joy about God that you're like, man, I haven't even reached that height yet. And so the Psalms really are a safe place for us to go to say, if I am in a place in my life, how could I express myself to God? Because the Psalms are, they cover a range, a wide range of life experiences. This is the beauty of the Psalms. They cover this span of experiences in life that all of us may experience at one time. They give words to our feelings, to our emotions. They give us permission to say to God that which we may not want to say ourselves. They allow us to express ourselves with words that we might at times struggle to come up with. The Psalms teach us how to be honest with God. And they brilliantly give us a view of this intimate relationship that we can have with God in such that we can say to Him what is on our hearts. The Psalms teach us to pray to God honestly and descriptively. You can add a wide range of words to your vocabulary. You do not need to use the same language over and over and over again. The Psalms also teach us about God. As we listen to the Psalters expressing their view of God and their appreciation of God, we learn all these things about God. We learn to understand God in a deeper way. My voice is out of practice. <clears throat> the Psalms also teach us that we can learn about how God is mighty, how God is a shepherd, how God is a rock and a fortress, how God's law is perfect. That he is a God who also will seek vengeance and judgment for those who have done wrong. He is a redeemer. All these different things we learn about God by reading through the Psalms. <coughs> Today we want to look at Psalm 19. And if you remember Pastor John's sermon, you will remember that he focused on three different categories that are found in the Psalms. And we get these these um, categories from Walter Brudeman, and they are orientation, disorientation, and new orientation. And I would encourage you to remember the definitions of these because, or at least the understanding of these, 
because we need to know what each of these is because as you read the psalm, you're going to begin to identify which one they fall into. In a little bit, we'll do a quiz to see if you can um, guess which one Psalm 19 falls into. The Psalms of Orientation. These are the fun ones. We sang, in a sense, songs today of orientation. Songs of orientations express a confidence and a serene settlement in faith and all the issues of faith. In modern language, we might be tempted to say that songs of orientation are kind of like Instagram shots or Instagram posts. When you post on Instagram or TikTok or whatever it might be, you post your best moments. This is your vacation moment when everything was working well. You're not posting about when you couldn't find the keys or, or you couldn't, you know, whatever, you weren't feeling well. Those are not things that you're posting on Instagram. So sometimes these psalms of orientation can almost feel a little bit like Instagram posts where everything is perfect, the lighting is perfect, the, the filters are just right, and it almost feels like they are absent from current reality. And as you're reading through these psalms, it's like, is nothing bad happening in this person's life? Because the way they express themselves is like, everything is going perfect. However, that is not how the psalms of orientation should be read. This is not to say that life in the psalster's life is perfect. You know, the, they are still experiencing issues. And so we shouldn't read these psalms as if though they are void of difficulty. Rather, these psalms remind us that God is always good. And it's an expression of God's faithfulness. They affirm that the world is well-ordered, that, that the world is reliable, that, that it's a life-giving system because God has ordained it. So even in these moments when life may not be good, the psalms of orientation, they remind us that even in these moments, God is still who He is and He is good. It's not to say that Everything is good, but God is good. And we need to be reminded of this. So the Psalms of Orientation, though they may feel fake at times, because you know, you're reading about no harm can come to you, or no harm will befall you, and you're like, well, what are you talking about? Harm falls on people. And yet when you read about who God is, we recognize that God is good, and that although life is difficult at times, God remains good. His creation is well-ordered. He is good. And so psalms of orientation are incredibly important to us to remind us of who God is. Second, we have psalms of disorientation. These psalms, as John has said, you know, these are expressions of pain in life. This is, these are the psalms that remind us that life is not always good. There are times when life feels like it's out of balance. And not to acknowledge that would be unwise. That would be fake. That would be a wrong thing to do in our lives. To assume that we are always doing well. Everything is always good. However, the church, as you know, the church struggles to lament. The church struggles at times to be honest and say, we're in a season of confusion. We're in a season of pain. We're, we're in a season of, you know, difficulty or whatever it might. And so the church and you and I, we are the church. We often want to move forward fast. Get over this. Well, we just need to start thinking good things and thinking about how God is good. And let's just move over and move beyond this difficulty. And here's the thing you need to hear. The Psalms of disorientation do not do that. The Psalms of disorientation 
are quite willing to stay in the midst of the pain and sometimes for long periods of time. Chapter after chapter, verse after verse, the Psalms walk the reader through these enormous times of pain, times of loss, sense of betrayal, injustice, abandonment. And the author that the author is experienced and the author is not in a hurry to move on. So what's important for you and I to note in the Psalms of Disorientation is that very often at the end of them or almost never do we see an apology from the Psalter for saying what they say to God. They're not later on going, oh God, I'm sorry that I was so you know, confused. I'm sorry that I expressed loss. I'm sorry that I expressed my hurt. The Psalsters are not afraid to just leave that with them. They don't feel guilty for being honest with God. Let me read to you just a little bit. Psalm 22, if you want an example of a psalm of disorientation, just flip over a couple of psalms. Verse 11, listen to the writer here. Listen to what he says. It's from birth I was cast Verse 11, do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there's no hope for me. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of bashings encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey, open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. You hear the pain? My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. And on and on he goes and he expresses this pain. And at the end of the chapter, you do not get the writer saying, oh, I'm so sorry, God, that I was so miserable. That's how they feel. That's how they express themselves. And so the Psalms of disorientation teach us that it's okay to sit in our pain with God and to express ourselves very vividly and honestly and descriptively. And then finally, we... We have the Psalms of New Orientation. And again, Pastor Jonathan did a wonderful job unpacking these. And so here's just a few examples of Psalms of New Orientation. Psalm 29, 47, 93, and there's many more. There is hope. That's what the Psalms of New Orientation say. There is hope. While there is a season of being in the pit... While there's a season of feeling that we're no longer safe... That we're out from underneath the canopy of God... And we're moving towards, you know, just pain and, and, and suffering and struggle. The Psalms of New Orientation, they say to us, no, there is always hope. God is always, always near. Walter Brudeman says, these Psalms, this, the Psalms regularly bear witness to the surprising gift of new life, just as when none was expected. In Romans chapter 5, verse 20, Paul gives us a little bit of a New Testament taste of this. Paul says, where sin increases, grace increases all the more. Paul is using a psalm of new orientation and saying, yes, sin is great, but when sin increases, grace increases all the more. A psalm of new orientation. This orientation is not always a result of sin. However, New orientation speaks of the continuous renewing grace of God. And so when reading through the new Psalms of New Orientation, it's important for us to notice that initially all of the pain comes as a result of loss and struggle and sin maybe. But then 
the situation changes because God arrives and God shines in. Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 13 is a great example of this. In verses 1 to 4, you see there's this orientation. And then in verses 5 to 6, new orientation takes place. So I want to suggest to us that we need to learn this, to pray this way. And we need to learn to express our pain and anguish to God. But then at the same time, to also express our hope in Him. To express that He will be near and that He is near. So, that's just a quick overview of the three categories. And I want to read to us now Psalm 19. And uh, lucky for me, I forgot my glasses. So I don't know where to stand so that it's clear. But we'll do our best. But Psalm 19... And as I read this, I want you to listen. And I want you to try to put it into a category. Which of these three categories does Psalm 19 land in? Is it an orientation song, a disorientation psalm, or a new orientation psalm? Here we go. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They have no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the worlds. In the heaven God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes his circus to the other Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The command of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than pure, much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive me my faults. Keep your servant from the willful sin. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. May, they, may these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Well, anybody want to guess? Psalm of orientation, disorientation, or new orientation? And I will just quickly tell you, it's a psalm of orientation. Psalm 19, like Psalm 8, is one of the beloved psalms of orientation. It is a psalm of celebration, recognizing what God has done. And many have taken to memorize Psalm 8 or Psalm 19. In this psalm, there are three voices of celebration. Three voices of celebration. The first one is the voice of creation. So you have your Bible open? Look at it. Verse 1 to 6. Voice of creation. Throughout space, time, and earth, the created order declares how glorious God is, how glorious is the God whose handiwork they are. 
Day after day, creation pours forth speech. And night after night, creation reveals God's knowledge and the knowledge of who God is. And yet within this voice, within this voice, there's a paradox. You may have seen it. There's an inconsistency within this voice. While creation declares the glory of God and pours out speech, they have no speech and they use no voice. Notice that though they pour forth speech, no speech is heard. The created order both tells and does not tell. And this is important for us to recognize because this speaks to our intuition. Creation declares that there is a glorious God who created such marvels, but its message is limited. It does not. It is not able to tell all that there is about God. You can stand and look up on a beautiful mountainous scene or a beautiful ocean front or, or a rainbow or whatever it might be, and creation will tell you that there is a glorious God, there's a beautiful God, something amazing is out there, but it does not tell all that there is. And so this psalmster, psalmster says that there is speech, but yet it's limited speech. And this is where the second voice comes in. In Psalm 19, the, psalm of, the second voice of celebration is the voice of the word, or the law. Verse 10, 7 to 10. The Lord has not left us, God has not left us, to an uncertain natural religion. Our religion is not based only on what we see in creation. God has not left us to just you know, understand whether it's a cloudy day or a sunny day based on, you know, on that, how, who God is or what God is. He has given us His Word. He has spoken His Word to us, His law to us, and it's perfect. In verses 7 to 9, the voice is given six titles, or the, the, law, the Word is given six titles titles. It's the law, statutes, um, it is precepts, commands, fear, and ordinances. And so this word has these six different titles. And then of these six titles, they have nine qualities. They are perfect. They are trustworthy. They are right. They are radiant. They are pure. They are enduring. They are firm. They are righteous. They are precious. And they are sweeter. And then, after all of that, we are told that they have three results. God, through His voice, through His word, brings three results. It is refreshing. It restores our soul, whether threatened by danger or diminished by sorrow. It makes us wise. It makes wise the simple. God's word is teachable and understandable, and it, it's something that we can apply to our lives. And then ultimately it is used for giving light. It educates the emotion. It educates the heart. It educates our desires in life. So that's the second voice. The voice of the word. And then thirdly, there's the voice of celebration. The voice of the sinner. You and I. The voice of the sinner. Verse 11 to 14. Verse 11 and 14 are really a prayer of repentance and a desire to live free from transgressions. And you might ask yourself, how is that a voice of celebration? Well, can you imagine if we could not express our need for forgiveness? Think about that for a moment. You and I being able to express our transgressions to God is a celebration because when we do so, they can be forgiven and healed and cleansed. And so the writer understands that. 
So David comes under the influence of God's divine word and he finds himself, he says, warmed. Or warned, sorry. He says, your servant is warned. He is convicted of sin. And again, we might look at that sometimes and say, well, that's a negative, but it is not. Think of it for a moment. If you would live your life and never be convicted of your sin, if you didn't even know what sin was, you would live this filthy life and you wouldn't even know it. And so David says one of the voices is this voice of the sinner because God has warned him. He has been warned. And therefore it's a celebration to be able to know that God is speaking to him. In verse 11 is where David says that he is convicted of sin, ready to seek forgiveness. He is is experiencing a new desire, a longing to be blameless. David is aware of being in the presence of a perfect and holy God. And at the same time, he is aware of his faults, even his hidden faults. God has revealed these to him. So in this last voice, the voice of the sinner, we see that while creation at time is limited in what it can say or how much it can say, the voice of the sinner has no limitations. It is not limited. It is able to speak fully. So we must learn to express our need for forgiveness to God and seek full reconciliation with Him. And the only way that we can do this is by embracing Jesus as our rock and our Redeemer. So let's close with a question. What does this psalm say to us? What do we do with a psalm of celebration? What do we do with a psalm like this? I think a key application for all of us here today from a psalm like this, is to, remind, to be reminded to not overlook God's goodness. To celebrate God in difficult times. Not to, you know, push us, our, our hard times aside and not process them, but to celebrate God's goodness in those times. Sometimes we may feel, or it may feel fake, to praise God in a time of pain. But in the middle of those difficult times, God is still good. He has not left us, and life is maybe not what we desire, but He is still the same. Therefore, to praise God and to call out His goodness, to celebrate, isn't fake. It isn't some wishful thinking that we do to make us feel better. It's not some fake display of our faith, because we recognize that although we are struggling, God is still the same. God is still good. So rather, it is a genuine, authentic expression of who God is. Even in times when our lives are in turmoil, we too can celebrate. We've all seen, we all have seasons when we need to be reminded of this. And so Psalm 19, and I'll mention just a few others, Psalm 1, Psalm 8, 11, 33, and there are many more. These are all psalms of orientation. And I want to encourage you, have a few of these ready. Have a few of these close to you. Learn to pray these psalms. Memorize them so that when you are going through a difficult season in your life, that you're able to read a psalm like that and allow that psalm to give words to your day, to your prayers, to what you want to express to God. Let me read us through just one. It's a well-known one. And I want you to listen carefully. So imagine whatever your day is like today. Or you don't need to imagine. Just moment, take a moment and reflect on what your day is like. 
And listen to this psalm and, and, and picture yourself praying this today to God. So let's say you're going through a season of confusion, a time of frustration. Let's say you're, you're having a great day and everything is going well. Listen to what this Psalter writes. This is Psalm 121. We used to sing this all the time. It says this, I lift my eyes to the heaven, to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forever. This is a psalm that I've often incorporated into my time of prayer. God, you are watching over me. Lord, you will keep me from harm. And these are the kind of psalms that often in our times of difficulty, we need to remind our souls that God is still with us and that there is a season of celebration to come. And even in our season of hardship, we can celebrate His goodness. The reader during this during a difficult time may feel that saying these words is fake, but it is not fake because this is who God is. He has not changed. So I would encourage you today, as you go from here, to read these Psalms of Orientation over your life and to learn to pray them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we can turn to you, even in our seasons of difficulty, that we can pursue you and, and know you. And I thank you for this congregation. And I pray now, Lord, that each one of us here, that we would learn to express ourselves to you in a new way, and in a rich way that would bring us closer and more intimate into, your relation, into a relationship with you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.